Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Looking to expand or move your company? Ohio has the talent you need to scale for growth. Ohio's central location, reliable infrastructure, and top-ranked business climate are here to help you succeed. Get to business. Visit successinohio.com today. Love Target? Well, you're about to love it even more. Target's new Red Card Reloadable saves you 5% every Target trip, in-store and online, and doesn't require a bank account or credit check to get approved. Target.com slash red card to get all the details. Restrictions apply. Something. Get you some facts right here. Get you some facts. Hello and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey O'Flanagan, and this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Guys, this AKG Lyra microphone is unbelievable. Plug and play, I'm telling you. Just put in the USB and it lights right up and you start recording. It has four different settings. You can record just yourself, easily record an interview, an entire room, whatever you need. It has it. It sounds so clean. I am sure you will love it. So make sure you check out the AKG Lyra microphone today. On the show, we have the musical stylings of Ben Kramer, who goes by the name Old Sea Brigade. Ben has a new single dropping this Friday that you should check out called Mirror Moon, which is off of the album Motivational Speaking, coming in May. We chat with the Atlanta native and current Nashville resident about songwriting, a pivotal Tom Waits album that still influences him today, and his progression as a songwriter. Stick around and hear him play his great song, How It Works, live on the show. Please give a warm welcome to Old Sea Brigade. Okay, we are here with early riser when not on tour, Ben Kramer, and uh, he goes by Old Sea Brigade. And Ben, I just want to ask you right off the bat, where does this name come from? Um, it it's a band name I came up with with a couple friends of mine when we were in high school, and we just we we thought it sounded cool, and we never got around to actually starting um, that band. I mean, I played in a bunch of bands growing up and we were you know always starting new projects and 
uh, we never got around to starting the old Sea Brigade band when we were in high school. And, you know, it was years later when I was starting my solo project. I didn't want to go by my real name. And I, and I remember that name we came up with and finding a good band name is really tough. So, um, I, yeah. I just, I, I got in touch with my friends. I was like, do you mind if I use this? They're like, Oh yeah, go for it. I forgot we even came up with that. So it worked out. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really good name. I think it's one of those that for me anyway, when I, when I saw the name, I didn't really know what to expect. And then it, I, I don't know. I think it's really nice and fitting. And uh, I just didn't know if there were any Navy ties for you. No, no. It's just, I I, I thought it, I, I think my music, especially earlier on, was sort of like, it was, it was very much more in like the singer-songwriter, indie folk, like soundscape, but, you know, like having lots of pads and um, like ethereal textures. And I think that sort of, lended a hand to the name you know um just uh, somehow i you know it, it, i think it just kind of it all worked i guess um and yeah going like by my real name ben kramer there's there's a million people named ben kramer so it was going to be hard for you know people to look up ben kramer on online <laughs> specifically there's a uh from what i could see there was a dutch yeah um, <laughs> you get that is that the guy that's that's yeah, if you that, google that, ben kramer that's the main guy yeah i was like oh damn it okay i can't use my real name <laughs> yeah but you've got a life goal now you're just like i gotta take out this dutch guy well my middle name is george so i always thought george kramer would be a good country country name so you grew up uh in atlanta is that right i did yeah i grew up in atlanta and um yeah, I guess I, I moved away when I was 18 to go to college in Miami. Then I was in Miami for a year, then moved to Athens, Georgia, then moved to New York. And then from New York, moved back to Atlanta, then moved <laughs> to Nashville. <laughs> I wonder if we overlapped at all, because I was in Atlanta from 2010 to 12. Okay. Um, I moved from Atlanta... <laughs> in in 2010 actually uh what part of atlanta were you in um right near emory my my ex-girlfriend oh, was doing nice. a phd at emory so uh we we ended up getting a place right next to the university and then i spent a little bit of time in decatur too just right down the street what about you yeah well i grew up do you do you remember smith's old bar yeah 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 i grew up like right across the street from smith's oh handy um, yeah yeah i mean i was like four so <laughs> yeah. I didn't go to the bar. but um uh then we we moved around a lot um so i kind of grew up all over atlanta but um yeah my dad actually moved from he came down to atlanta um for for college and he went to emory for a year and um i guess that was a while back then he transferred and then came back to atlanta to work for cnn early on so um i know there's a lot of like northern transplants coming to atlanta i mean this was back in the 80s but yeah it's a it's a cool city. I really like it a lot. It's very I love like just how like diverse and like it's just so rich in culture and the people are really friendly and um it's just it's been growing a ton too even since oh, I man. since I left. I always come back and I'm like, "Wow, I mean, this neighborhood is not how I remember it." <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really that's that's really true and it's what do you think of the live music scene? I mean, what do you currently think of it? Because that was something when I was there, I was I was extremely busy. I was doing school full time and I was working full time. So I didn't have that much time. But when I would go see live music, I was like, this city has got some great venues. 
Yeah, it, it really does. Um, I I was like in high school. I played in like a bunch of kind of punk and emo bands, and we we would we we weren't really cool enough to play in the in Atlanta. So we'd always like book shows like outside of Atlanta and like the suburbs, and and that was an interesting time. It was like kind of the MySpace era, but we we would you know book these shows at like a warehouse, and like three hundred people would show up, you know, and it was a cool little music scene, and um, you know, it it it. it I, I don't know if that is still around, but um, as I got older, um, you know, started playing a lot. I mean, I think I've played like every single midsize, you know, small to midsize club in Atlanta. Um, you know, I remember like the old Masquerade, um, mm-hmm. which is gone now. And I mean, I, I, I remember there was like the Cotton Club before below the Tabernacle. Um, that was like big and like, I was a little too young for that, but I I always remember like listening to 99X, which was like the big radio station, and yeah. there would always be like up and coming bands coming to play like the Cotton Club, and um, you know, like the Earl is a is is a fantastic venue. That's where I usually play when I'm back in Atlanta, and then um, I got started like even like as old C Brigade uh, playing open mics at like Eddie's Attic and and um, the Red Light Cafe, and uh, just you know lot of those sort of singer songwriter venues um so yeah it was a great city to just you know to to come up in the in, in the music scene um yeah just to get the yeah just to get the chops I, I i can agree with that so you've been doing this a long time do you know can you remember like when you decided i kind of want to be a singer songwriter i, I want to do this i want to try and chase this music thing was that at a younger age yeah, so I always played in bands. Like I think we, I started a band with my friends when we were in like fourth grade. Like we wanted to play <laughs> Green Day, uh, the Dookie record, and we just would play um, when I come around. I remember like that was that was our one song we learned, and we great, played it at our great decision. That's such a good I played song. <laughs> yeah I played bass, um, and we we uh, we. We would practice all year to play that one song at our uh, at our school's talent show, <laughs> and um, we, you know, all through middle school, we'd always, you know, practice like two songs a year and get them down, and uh, then play the the talent show, and that was like the big thing. And then, um, you know, I, I later on, it got a bit more serious. Where obviously we we got older and started booking our own shows and. Uh, just playing different little venues and we'd always i think the venues would always have us out because we we could get our whole you know we were good at promoting ourselves so we could always get all of our class and like this is before like a lot of us couldn't even drive so our parents like my friend's <laughs> parents would have to drive everyone to the shows and they would be at the shows so these like venues that would normally you know they're used to booking these tiny bands that where they bring 10 people we'd show up with like a hundred people and they're like please come back and play anytime you know um so that was uh that that was an interesting time and it just every year i feel like it escalated and 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 i think i you know early on we were awful i mean we were so bad and then you know you get better over time and um i always so i was always playing in bands but i was never like the the singer or like the center of attention i always like being the guitar player or the bass player mm-hmm um, and it wasn't until, I guess it was 2000, um, what was it like 2015? I, I was playing in a band in Nashville and it 
didn't work out, so I moved back to Atlanta, and that's when I I recorded um, the first Old Sea Brigade EP, um, and that's when I was going out to like Eddie's Attic and Red Light Cafe to to get used to playing in front of people, you know, like singing in front of people, because that was so foreign to me. Even though yeah, I was used yeah. to, you know, being on the stage and booking shows, and I kind of knew how things worked, but I, I I was terrified of actually like speaking to a crowd or okay. Um, singing to a crowd um so i was like okay if i'm gonna do this like i need to go out and play these open mic nights just to to get familiar with with being the uh front person i guess on yeah on the stage. was so do you feel like that kind of came naturally because I'm, I'm i've played a lot of open mics in my life and i've yeah. i get after that first song i've always gotten more comfortable with it but i don't have like a super strong voice and i've i've just kind of I, I know that I'm, I'm smart enough with music to know, but I can like carry enough of a tune, like a Ringo style yeah. to do it. But I was always just so nervous about it. And like my main instrument is drums. And I've always said like, I'm so comfortable just sitting back there. No one's really paying attention. I don't need a solo. Just don't yeah. put the spotlight on me. And I'm so comfortable in that, but I'm really curious if how you kind of came into your own. I, it terrified me. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I it, it really did and and it still kind of does at times but i i i knew it was like okay if this if if i'm going to be able to get these songs out into the world i'm going to need to sing them and, and like play them in front of people and i i don't i didn't necessarily have like i don't have this like amazing like american idol voice like i can never like sing like that so i knew i think i had a way i could connect with people through my voice but it wasn't like a technically like great voice and i think i've i've been working on that through throughout the years and getting more comfortable um because i was never naturally a singer um yeah. but i i just always tried to okay i tried to write the best songs i could and and connect with people other ways and i and i i think you know again as time went on i, I did get better at singing and um but it it terrified me but i also knew like because i'm so scared of this it's also it has to be good for me Mm -hmm. you know I, and 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 there was like there was like a lot of uh i don't know like self i felt like very accomplished from like just going out and like playing to like two or three people on like a tuesday night in february <laughs> you know yeah. and and you know it's gross outside and like you know no one's really there but like i'm like at least i went out and did this like no one's forcing me to do this but i need to go um you know get used to playing in front of people um and it it did get easier over time and then like then you start booking tours and opening up for other bands and you just get used to how to interact with an audience and that there's no way to learn that than just going out and doing it yeah no i, I believe that 100 <laughs> percent. okay so let's talk about some of these songs because i want to kind of jump back into your catalog a little bit because it does seem like you're progressing as a songwriter and then also in terms of like the sound that you envision the songs having behind them. And so your, your debut EP, you have five tunes that really to me captured the sound and the voice that you wanted at that time so well. And I want to ask specifically about the song Sleep in the Park. I met a blind man, probably could have seen her eyes. And I don't know where it came from or where she goes nobody knows now i sleep in the park out there in the cold i won't need my jacket in another 
because I was listening to this over the last couple of days, and I just find these lyrics so interesting, and I wanted to ask you, where did that song come from? So that was a song I wrote back in... Th- so a couple songs on that EP, I think that it, it came out like 2015. A couple of them I wrote like 2010, you know, because I'd always sort of written songs, and but yeah. never did anything with them and um sleep in the park was one of those i wrote when i was in new york city and um honestly i i wrote it that chorus just i i I came up came up with that little chord progression which was like very simple then i always my process of writing is just mumbling like weird sounds and gibberish and and suddenly like a couple words will like (laughs) pop out and then i'll then i'll build the song around that and um I think that the chorus of that being like now I sleep in the park out here in the cold. I think it was just something about like trying to draw a comparison to like, you know, the uh, being in New York and like especially like Central Park, like being surrounded by all these like wealthy apartments and you know all that, and then you're in the park and you know you have people from you know homeless people sleeping out there and just people from all walks of life, and it just seemed like this. Um, this just diverse like interesting like melting pot where every you know i i lived in brooklyn at the time but i would always go up to central park and, and and go for runs and stuff and um it just seemed like this captivating place and i you know i think my my songs i a lot of times i don't know exactly what like the true meaning is of the song i like to sometimes leave that for interpretation but i know like central park and like that whole like narrative of it being like a melting pot of just like everyone in new york city like this is a free place everyone can go and like not everyone has like a warm place to go when they leave and i don't know just Hmm. those weird like um uh and like black and white sort of like alternate lives that so many people live in new york city and um i think you know that kind of inspired the song um so yeah i like that because it's a very you're right about New York City in that sense because it's a, it's been immortalized in so many songs. And it's, yeah. to me as a songwriter, I guess I would probably look at it as like a, like, I got to get around to writing a song about New York City at some point here because <laughs> I got to try. Yeah. And I got to compare myself. But when I was listening to it, I had this, in my mind, and maybe the lyrics like brought me there, mm-hmm. but I just had this, uh, somebody's, cheating or like an ex-lover you're walking in the park thinking about this ex-lover you know that maybe you walked by the building and they had somebody um you saw them like walk into their old building where that used to be you and now you're just like since the breakup like life's just gone downhill steep and now you're in the park without a jacket just sleeping in the cold (laughs) and like they're back they're in the same apartment with a new love and that's all that you can think about and it it was it just screamed heartbreak to me and i really like that sentiment but i also like that you allow me to interpret it the way that i want yeah i mean and definitely too they're like obviously like a lot of these songs are like sort of centered around um you know heartbreak and 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 you know just love and falling out of love and 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 the different phases of going through relationships and learning things and like i think that's all that's that's so prevalent in like a lot of my songs and obviously like that is such a big inspiration for just creating art and and healing and 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 going through different um you know 
phases of life and mm-hmm. yeah like I, I i definitely agree with you like that that's also there in the song um i do have a question that i'm interested just as like a songwriter not to like get specific about anything but i'm i'm, I'm curious about this for you what's tougher yeah. to write in your opinion the first line or the chorus um sometimes when the first line is really good i struggle with the chorus for sure yeah. um i'm like okay how do i like if the verse is really catchy, I'm like, how do I make the chorus even catchier? And that's, it's got to pop, right? The chorus has, yeah. if, the, if you've got a great verse and you've got a great melody, you're like, God, I need a really good chorus. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, uh, it's a, it's an interesting one. I, I, you know, I, and, and I think when I, when I write songs, it, it just varies whether I come up with the chorus or the verse first. Um, but uh, I definitely struggle with that all the time when I'm like, okay, this verse is really good. I have no idea what to do with the chorus because I don't want to like, I also, I, I'm starting to now, like, I think I have like my default, like kind of like expected, like, okay, this is what I would do for the chorus. But sometimes I'm now as, as I'm trying to just evolve and come up with a bit more like interesting ideas for like what to do with a chorus um, that like you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it, but it's always a struggle trying to figure out, you know, um, where does this go? Or maybe it doesn't need, maybe sometimes like it doesn't even need a chorus. Maybe it needs just like a nice tag at the end of the verse. And then, you know, like, like that was something, you know, I listened to, I, um, Tom Waits, you know, is one of my favorite songwriters and like yeah. so many times he just has these like beautiful, like one line tags at the end of the verses that just, they just really hit you. And I'm like, Oh wait, there's no real like massive chorus moment. Stay tuned for more song facts podcast right after this. Ever wonder how my voice is bouncing off your eardrums so clean and crispy? No? Well, let me tell you anyway. The Lyra Microphone by AKG brings their legendary acoustic engineering to a versatile USB mic that delivers the highest quality audio in its class. USB connection. This is good for me because of the simplicity and the ability to just plug and play without an interface. You may have gathered from various episodes that I am doing this show on the road, so being that I record most interviews in a different location than the last, it is good for me to know that I have a high-quality, easy-to-transport and use USB mic like the Lyra to make sure my sound is clean. Whether you're like me and recording a podcast, a musician recording vocals or an instrument, or if you need to do a voiceover for a YouTube channel... Lyra's innovative AKG Adaptive Capsule Array adapts to your performance to record pristine audio. It has four versatile capture modes. What's a capture mode, you ask? That is how the mic picks up your voice. Just trust me, with these four options, it's really all you're going to need. With AKG Lyra, you'll be up and running in no time, no matter your experience level. There's no assembly, no need for separate audio interface, no fiddling with software settings. It just works right out of the box. And Lyra is something that is compatible with Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, and all major recording softwares. So, if you're looking for a mic that offers ease of use along with a high-quality sound, Check out the AKG Lyra and look no further. Hundred percent, and I, I, I got I don't listen to enough Tom Waits anymore. He was someone who came into my life in like my mid twenties, and I got to like circle back and get some of his vinyl. 
That's so good. Oh, he's just so good. Um, all right, I want to talk a little bit about your progression then, because okay, your next EP was "Wash Me Away." Is that right? I think so. Yeah, that was yeah. it. Hard to keep track for everyone. Good. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so I'm, you you said you had some songs in the bag that had been there for a little bit, and then you come up with another EP. How what how did that songwriting and how did that the coming together of that differ from the first one? Well, I think from every EP, I, I, I started going out playing more shows and that impacted me um, a lot just as a songwriter and performer. And I, we, I started experimenting with like different live setups. And, um, you know, first at, at the beginning, I was just going out playing by myself. Then my, my buddy Ben, um, so we were the two Bens, we would tour as a duo and um, we, we would like have, we had this interesting setup where like I would have like a kick drum and he would have like a hi-hat with a, um, with a tambourine on it. And that would kind of handle the snare hits. And then he had keyboards and we were trying to experiment with, you know, coming up with an interesting duo live, like how much sound can we create with two people? That's a um, challenge though, to be both on a percussive thing at different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. You know, it was a lot of experimenting and, you know, um, but with that, I, we, we, we would start just jamming on these like ideas that I had, like little guitar riffs and stuff. And, um, a lot of those like turned like wash me away even was kind of came from all of that. Just, you know, so it went from me writing by myself to, to sort of trying out different things and more of like a band practice environment. Um, and, uh, and also testing the songs out live, you know, um, and seeing how, how people reacted. Um, and, and that was the same case too, for like the next EP as well. Um, I, but that whole time I, I was working with a, my, one of my best friends, um, his name's Jeremy Griffith and he's a fantastic producer and he, I have to give him like a ton of credit because he really helped me, um, sort of dial in a sound that sounded like, like me, you know, it, it, and I worked with him on, on the first EP on, on the first I mean, yeah, the first EP, second EP, third EP, and the album. Okay. Um, actually, and um, he, yeah, he's been a big um, part of just helping me sort of refine and like shape my sound um, over the years. So, yeah, I was lucky, you know, to get to work with him. Yeah. So when I first started listening to going through your songs, the person that jumped out to me as I was as I just have headphones and I'm just walking down the street was Jackson Brown. Oh yeah. And I'm really curious if you've gotten that comparison before. And then my follow-up to that is who are your main influences? Um, I, I haven't actually gotten a Jackson Brown comparison. I love Jackson Brown. I mean like late for the sky is one of my favorite records. And, mm-hmm. Um, I think with the way I've been writing recently, um, even like with this, new record that's about to come out and um even like the stuff i've been writing now post you know making this last record um i've been really actually inspired by jackson brown and like that kind of um just carefree like california relaxed vibe of the music um i don't know if i i don't feel personally like i've been able to capture like what he does um you know, but I, but he, I, he's definitely a huge inspiration, um, for me. And, um, you know, with other influences, I, 
Bruce Springsteen has been a massive influence on okay. his, his entire catalog. I mean, I grew up listening to him with my dad. And then when I was 16, my friend showed me Mule Variations by Tom Waits. And was a massive record um and it just kind of like that record sort of altered my world a bit because i was like hearing these sounds that were so bizarre um <laughs> and and the you know going from like one song that literally is just pure chaos then to hearing you know a song like hold on which is obviously one of his bigger songs but like that song just being able to just hit you like right where it counts uh mm -hmm. and, and and that's just the most beautiful songwriting and he was and like then i dove more into the tom waits catalog and his earlier stuff and you know how his voice changed and his sound changed so much and um he was never afraid to just um to uh just be himself and put out the music he he felt like making and um i also love how he he's he's a bit mysterious and he's a he kind of takes on this this character, um, and it's it's hard to kind of read him personally. But I, I like that. I I he, I think he's just an incredible performer and artist. Um, yeah, has so yeah. much to say. And I think that that's the a good way to describe him too. Is in terms of he's not just a musician. He's an, he's definitely an artist because it's he paints a picture with his words. He's he's so talented in so many ways. I I remembered as you were talking about that, when I first discovered him and it was, um, the song for the, uh, the wire way down in a hole. Yeah. And I just remember like, what is this? What voice is this? Yeah. And, and then that was like my entry point. And then it was the deep dive after that, kind of the same way that you did. And yeah. And I, I love that you kind of can reflect on that was a turning point. I got introduced to this. I listened to this album and that affected me in a way that, it's still probably affecting you. I, I, I have similar things. My probably one was a Dylan record. I'm not 100 percent sure which one, but it was probably a Dylan record for sure. Yeah, uh, I think like Time Out of Mind for me too was another massive record. You know, speaking yeah. of Dylan, um, and 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 just that production and and also like you know a lot of the Daniel and Watt produced like Time Out of Mind and then Wrecking Ball by Emily Harris. Um, those records, you know, just like the songs on them are just they blow me away. Um. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, and I think too, I, I, I got into like a, this was also like around 16, 17, I discovered like Towns Van Zandt and then Blaze mm -hmm. Foley. Um, and I had, you know, I, I was not into country music at all. Um, but this type of country music where it's just so like focused on the song and they were just, I, I, I gravitated to these like heartbreaking, like real life you know sorrow blues songs from like the comfort of like my my parents house where i had no real life experiences but for some reason i was just so drawn to like what is like destroying these people that's like <laughs> yeah. forcing them to like pour their heart and soul into this um 
and I thought, you know, when you're listening to music as a kid, you're like, oh, like I get this, but it's not, you know, you, you look back on it and it's like, okay, like I had no idea, you know, what they were talking about. But, um, yeah, I just, I love like the honesty and like sometimes like the brutality of the lyrics and just how truthful they are. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, too. I think that we probably had a similar trajectory because I just remember Towns getting into my life. Then that kind of led to Steve Earle. And then mm-hmm. some like I remember like I got really into Todd Snyder for a while. And I was just like, well, okay. this is a whole new like folky country thing that I haven't seen. And I love the the ironic lyrics and the humor with it and everything like that. And I was just like, yeah. there's just so much good stuff out there. And I was the same way because I wasn't a huge country fan, but I do really like folky stuff. Yeah. Um, what's a, I want to put you on the spot. What's a song that you wish you would have written? Um, Heart of a Saturday Night by Tom Waits. Well, you gassed her and a weed With your arm around your sweet Your old smoke Nailing down the boulevard Looking for the heart of Saturday night. You got paid on Friday. I'm always drawn to songs that are able to capture uh, nostalgia in, in like such an interesting way. And like for me, like when I listen, I, I, I listen to Tom Waits and I, and I feel like I'm like growing up and you know what i would imagine growing up in like new new jersey in the 70s and like going into new york city for a date or something and like it's like raining outside and you're just at this little like dive <laughs> bar or something you know and um you know that's what and that song just hits me and like even though i have like no idea what that's like um that song just it it does it for me um that one and i mean there uh, the list does go on i mean thunder road is also too Mm-hmm. by Bruce Springsteen is another one where I'm just like how did he write that it, the lyrics never repeat themselves and every line is just so poetic and with with that song it's again nostalgia but it's a bit more um of for me like the way I interpret it is a bit more like a story and he's creating these characters that 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 are so relatable um and he's able to tell this like very interesting story throughout you know a four and a half minute or five minute long song yeah. Uh, so I really good very good choices there. I don't think that no one's but no one's asked me that. That's kind of why I took the host chair throughout this. Yeah, yeah. And uh I don't know if I could because there's just so many. Um Okay, that'll so it'll change next week though. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. What's the um Okay, so you're going to perform a tune for us and it is called How It Works and before we jump into it just what should our listeners know about this song? Um, well, this is a new song, uh, that, that recently came out. It was the first single off my, off my new record. And, um, I wrote it about a, I guess only about a year ago. And it was, I, it was with, uh, wrote it with my buddy, Henry Brill, who's a fantastic songwriter and we collaborate a lot. He's one of my best friends too. And, um, we wrote it after I got an email from someone, uh, saying, telling me like, oh, that's how, that's how this works. You know, uh, and it, I was like, "Well, that's kind of you know, okay." Um, and and then I just thought, like, how it works, like that's that would be a fun. We we kind of wrote the song like mocking this person's email. I love that. 
Um, and then, <laughs> then once we wrote, then once we, you know, wrote it, now I find myself like saying like, you, you just hear like how it works, like, oh, yeah, how it works is this, or like, no, that's not how it works. Um, and I just hear that phrase all the time now. <laughs> um, so it's interesting yeah. how things like that can float to the surface too. Do you think yeah. this person knows that this song? I mean, they they no. probably send a ton of emails, but they would have no idea. No idea. No idea. Industry person. Yes. And this is just how it works. They're there's like this is how it works. I'm like, uh, no, it's not. And I'm gonna use that first song. <laughs> all right, here we go. Nobody knows how it works. That's just 
sleeping till it goes. That's how it works. That's just how it works. And how to fight the feeling nobody knows. Nice little surf bend there at the end too. I know I had to fit that in. So I love that. <laughs> hey, this lyric that you've gotten there is—I can't—I didn't get it exactly, but it's—I think right at the end of the second verse. Look at the scars and not think of the knife or something like that. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, I love that. Thank you. Um, I I think I have to give my buddy Henry credit for he came up with that one. He sometimes when we're stuck on a song, he um. Henry's the type of person where, um, if if you're stuck on like a lyric, he you have to give him like two minutes, and he gets up and paces around the room, and then he his eyes light up, and he like goes, "I've got it," and you're like, "I know it's gonna be good." <laughs> and that was one of those times. Oh, that's so much fun! So, do you feel like since you've made the move to Nashville, that like, do you feel like this? Like, it, obviously, people just go there to write songs. That's just what right. you do. Um, have you felt more inspired? Has it had that effect on you at all? It's interesting. I, I, it, I think it's forced me to, uh, to, to look at like analyze a bit more of like the fundamentals of like what I'm trying to say in a song. Um, but I'm a firm believer too. There's no right or wrong way, obviously, to write a song. And I came from writing music by myself. And now when I write, I usually only just if I'm writing for like old Sea Brigade stuff, I usually only write with friends you know close friends who i know and um it just feels more natural um but i do i do a bunch of co-writing now like for other artists and um and it's it's interesting you know i i, I like to I, I like to sort of dip my feet in the co-writing world but then also like back off and like let myself sort of take the time to process and, and discover what i'm trying to say in a, in a song and i tend to naturally like i tend to write pretty slowly when I'm writing by myself, it takes me, I'll come up with an idea and I'll put it away for three weeks and forget about it. Cause I'll usually won't like it at first. Then I'll have like a little voice memo and I'll listen, then I'll, you know, be on a drive or something and I'll listen to the voice memo and be like, Oh, this actually is kind of interesting. I think I could hmm. do something with this and I'll go back and rework it where a lot of times when you're co-writing, you have two hours, three hours to write a song. And yeah. if you don't, if you don't finish it, you you know, there's always like, oh, like, we'll get together and finish this some other time. But then you never get together and finish it. <laughs> so yeah. you have to, you know, you're kind of forced to finish it uh, if, if you're doing a co-write, um, you know, during that scheduled time span. And, and that's kind of nice for me because I can be a, a pretty big procrastinator, too. So <laughs> when I'm just forced to write, I think that that's also helpful. <laughs> oh, that's good. You can perform under both the stress and then the ease, too. So. It's, yeah, it's exactly. probably a good thing to know, but it's also good to know your strengths and weaknesses. And you're like, no, like, give me a deadline here. We're all going to benefit if I've got a deadline. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, that's what <laughs> even this the my record that's coming out, motivational speaking. I had finished it, and then we went into lockdown, and then I was like, well, now I have time to rework the entire record. So we basically <laughs> went back, and <laughs> and my buddy Owen Lewis, who who I him and I are production partners. We produce a lot of stuff together, and. and we worked together on this record and he, I, he was such a good sport about it, but 
you know, we've been working on this record for on and off for like a year and then to go back and just kind of, you know, try to try to rework it a bit more, I think was probably a bit frustrating and um, I'm, I don't recommend it. Um, but, you know, we had the time on our hands and we just wanted to see if, you know, we, we knew we had something cool and, and we, we liked the songs and the productions we had made, but we're like, okay, let's just see, like, let's, let's mess it up a bit, like make it a bit weirder and see, see what comes from it. You know, now that we do have endless time on our hands. So. Yeah. I don't have a, um, release date in any of my notes. Do you have that yet? Yeah. It's, uh, May 14th. May 14th. It's dropping. Okay. So yeah. we're going to try and, uh, time the release of this with that. I don't know exactly okay. what that's going to be, but um, man, Ben, thanks so much for coming on, playing a tune, talking about some of the other ones, and just kind of sharing your story. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that your music came into my world, and uh, and just really appreciative to have to have gotten to chat with you for a little bit. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was a blast, and um, yeah, we'll have to do it again. Thank you so much to Ben for coming on the show and sharing his talents with us. Such a good time. Be sure to check out that new single, Mirror Moon, on Friday, and of course, the album, Motivational Speaking, in May. As always, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.